0: So, the significance of Palm Sunday. So, I have to be honest with you. I wrote a message last week, and I was like, I got this. Got my stuff done. It's all good. Going to enjoy my weekend, and, and I'll get up Saturday, and I'll go to the church and study a little bit, and it'll be fun. So, I wake up really early Saturday morning, and, you know, I, as of June of this year, I've been preaching for 15 years. All right? So, I've been... You should hear some of those sermons. <laughs> you have to hear one today, so you're good. Um, and I, I know that gut-wrenching feeling that you get when you know you, it's, that's not God. God's saying that's not what I want you to say. So it's like, oh, Lord, please, I'd love to sleep for a few more hours. And, and seriously, me and God talk like this. Please, please. And he's like, no. So I get up, come here yesterday morning really early. And before I knew it, I'd been here three hours, four hours. And God just totally wrecked my world on the significance of Palm Sunday and everything that went down on that day, then everything that went down the week leading up to Good Friday. And so today, hopefully, maybe you'll see Palm Sunday in a new light. I certainly did. And so I'm just going to share with you some of the things that God showed me about Palm Sunday. Good? So Matthew, if you have your Bible, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Got your Bible, your iPad, your phone. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. It's the NIV. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. And those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today, and thank you that your spirit is so evident in our midst. I pray that you would get me out of the way so you can get in our way. Lord, speak to each heart what you would have us hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. Number one, Palm Sunday shows the humbleness of Jesus. Matthew 21, 1 through 3, I just read it. Let's read it again. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with their colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Now, here's the savior of the universe, the savior of humanity, the Messiah, who is coming in to what historians say is about 2.5 million people were in Jerusalem for the Passover. This is the biggest Jewish event there is. He has been doing ministry for three years. Amazing things have been happening. People have been following this ministry. And now the disciples think, this is it, man. This is about to go down. And I can imagine, like, some of the conversations they had. You want us to go get you a chariot? You want us to bling it up? We we can put, you know, we can bling the, you want a camel? We can bling the camel up. You want a horse? Because I hear you're going to ride a white horse one day. What what can we do? That's not in the Bible. That's just my interpretation of probably what went down. Um, And how does Jesus enter into this magnificent, unbelievably brilliant picture on a donkey on a donkey. Think about that for a second. He enters to into the Jerusalem in the pastor, on a, he's on a donkey. go get a donkey. I'm sure the disciples are like, "You're going to ride a donkey? Go get the donkey. Now, what you have to understand is historians will tell you if you read, I've read a lot about this this day, Palm Sunday, and whatever. So here's Jesus entering in perfect Jesus fashion on a donkey, born in a manger. When he was dedicated, he he was dedicated in a simple way. And so all through his life, we know he's going to wash the disciples' feet here in a few chapters. And here, again, in perfect Jesus fashion, he enters on a donkey, very humble. Now, he's coming down from Bethany, down the Mount of Olives, into Jerusalem. And he's coming through the east. And historians will tell you on the west side that Pontius Pilate and 80,000 Roman troops... We're entering that gate. and why is that important? Well, the Passover represented freedom for the Jews. And so they were under the empire of Rome. And so the emperor said, Hey, Pontius Pilate, why don't you take 80,000 guys down there and make sure they don't get out of hand? Because we don't want any, you know, we, we don't want them to try to overtake. And so they come in their gate with chariots and horses and and swords clanking, and stomping, and going, we're doing, yeah, we're, we're here to take care of business. And here's Jesus, meek as he can be, riding on a donkey, and it's cold. Coming in town. Wow. I would submit to you today that that, that is such a great illustration of how we are supposed to act as a church, and how we are supposed, supposed to act as Christians. Are we going at people in our life that need the Lord stomping with swords clanking, riding high in our chariots above everyone else? I'm right, you're wrong. If you don't agree with me, shut up. Seriously. And here's Jesus. Kind of coming down the Mount of Oz. Riding on a donkey. Boom. seriously, boom. Boom. that's the way I hear that, like, just you know, very humble, very humble, the disciples wanted to do something for him, because they, they pretty much had figured out at this point that there was something to this Jesus guy, so at least they took their cloaks off and put him on the donkey, so at least he, hey, he didn't have to sit on the donkey, Jesus didn't care, he's coming in town, he knows what awaits him. I mean, you, you think about how kings would enter cities. And, and when you read the Bible, you have to read it in a cultural context. You have to understand that when a king would come into a city, there was pomp and circumstance and there was, there, there was ribbons and there, there was all kinds of things. And here's Jesus on a donkey. I mean, I know people who are preaching the gospel that are raising money to buy a jet. Good for. I mean, if that's what God's called them to, good for them, whatever. Jesus didn't take a jet. He didn't take Air Force One. He he rode a donkey. And it's, it's such an amazing thought to think, wow, maybe that's the way I should live my life. Very humble, right? And so Jesus teaches us that Palm Sunday is about his humbleness. Number two, Palm Sunday fulfills prophecy. Matthew 21, 4 through 5, this, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentlemen, riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And then you go to the actual scripture that, that quote, Matthew's quoting there. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, humble, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Isaiah 62 11 also prophesies this. And so you look back through prophecy. Why is Palm Sunday so important? Because Jesus Christ is giving validity to the prophets and some of the things they said. And this is just one instant. Do you know that every prophet, every prophecy that was given about Jesus in the Old Testament, he fulfilled? Save not one. Every one. Why is this important to us as Christ followers? It's important. Because we we interact with people, hopefully you interact with people who aren't believers and they have questions. And we can't answer all those questions. I said in the first service, if someone asks you a question that you can't answer, it's definitely okay to say, you know what, I don't know, but I'll get back to you. Because every question that could ever be answered from the span of the beginning of time to the end of time is answered in this book. So if you're hanging out with someone that, that you, you know is hungry for something in their life, they don't know what it is, I'll tell you what it is. It's a hole in their life that was created by God that can only be filled by God. But but the idea is, is, is like trying to relate to them in a manner they can understand through the Word of God. It's important to understand that Palm Sunday fulfills prophecy. You think about... Jesus and all the things he did. And the Bible says there are not enough books in the world to record everything that Jesus did. So I can't wait to read all those things. Personally, I I would rather watch them. Hopefully that'll happen (laughs) than read them. Palm Sunday helps us realize and helps the world realize Jesus was real. You know, because there's a huge push in our culture today to say, yeah, yeah, I believe Jesus walked the earth. Yeah, I I believe he was a good prophet. Smart dude. Great leader. But was he the Messiah? I really don't know that. And so when you read the word of God and you read about all the prophets and what they said about the Messiah and then you see Jesus come on the, the scene and he begins to fulfill every last one of those prophecies, you know what? That gives you something to stand on. That gives you something, that's some, there's some validity there. There's no way that just a good prophet could come to this earth and fulfill everything that was written about the Messiah hundreds and hundreds of years ago and then show up on the scene, get crucified, rose, raised from the grave, and then every one of his disciples, save one, was willing to die for him. That's not a prophet, that's the Messiah. Amen, Jason. That's awesome. Guys, kill me. I'm gonna keep preaching with passion. You can sleep if you want to. It's important that Palm Sunday fulfills prophecy. It really is. Number three. Palm Sunday shows the power of praise that comes from a miracle. Matthew 21, 9, and 11. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, where has Jesus been? In Bethany. What happened in Bethany? I'll help you out. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Uh, He walked out of the grave. All right? So you got to get this. Praise and glory to God comes through the miracle. The greatest miracle of all is that God can take a heart of stone, turn it into a heart of flesh. Perhaps somebody's looking at your life and seeing. See, when when God really changes your life, those closest to you understand that it's really been changed, and that's a miracle. And at some point, they're going to know that God did that. God gets the glory, and, and. at some point, they're going to have to come face-to-face with the fact that they're, it, if they're going to accept the power of God to change them. And watch this. They're in Bethany. They're coming down the Mount of Olives, headed towards Jerusalem. So, so go back to the point real quick, Larry. Back to, there you go. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, the crowds that were in front of him, don't lose me. The crowds that were in front of him and the crowds that followed him. You know who these people were, right? These are people that just watched Lazarus walk out of the tomb. So let's, let's read this story real quick in case you're new to the Bible. John eleven thirty-eight forty-four. 44. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, this is another one you're going to want to see when you get to heaven. Lazarus, come out. Wow. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off. The grave clothes and let him go. This is in front of a, a bunch of people. This is happening, right? These are the same people that are crying out to about Jesus as he's entering Jerusalem, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, in the highest heaven. In other words, this is the Messiah. Praise the Lord. He has come. He's gonna deliver. This, this is this is Jesus. So they're partying, man. They're coming down the, Beth, uh, the Mount of Olives from Bethany, and they're praising the Lord. And here's Jesus on a donkey, and this is awesome. And it says, so when they go back, go back to uh, that second slide after the point later. It says when they get into, when they, now go back. Just keep going back. There you go, right there. So this proves the point. When they get to the city, the the actual people who were coming from Bethany that had seen the, the miracle come in with an entourage, right? Just so, And you got to think about the magnificence of this moment. I mean, it's the Passover. 2.5 million people are in Jerusalem. And here comes this entourage coming down the hill. Jesus is on a donkey. And they're saying, Hosanna! Hosanna! Praise be the king! Hosanna, highest heaven! And so then... The city was stirred because anytime Jesus shows up something gets stirred. And then so the people inside the city gate say, "Who is that?" And what's wrong with you people? That's the prophet Jesus, prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. See they had they had witnessed such a miracle that they could not deny who Jesus was. And everybody in Jerusalem is like, hey, what's all the hoopla? I can, imagine, I can imagine like the disciples being kind of nervous. Could you imagine that? Like, oh, what's going on here? Because the disciples thought, this is it, man. He's going to set up his kingdom, and, and I'm going to sit on his right, and you can sit on his left if you want to. You know, it? But the butterflies. Anybody watch college basketball yesterday? Did you? I'm so sorry for the rest of you. I, 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 I cannot wrap my mind around... So Kentucky played last night. They played Notre Dame. And let me fill you in. Kentucky is undefeated. First time ever any college team has won that many games without losing one. And so it was 31 to 31 at halftime. Halftime was at 10 o'clock last night. I'm getting old. 10 o'clock's late. And I knew if I stayed up and watched that game, man, I would be up until like 2. Probably wouldn't have went to sleep. So I, I DVR'd it, went to bed. Got up early this morning, turned it on. And watch the second half with the fast forward on the DVR. And I don't even like either teams. But I told Reina, she's in there reading her Bible, you know, because she's holy like that. I'm watching the <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching the Kentucky Notre Dame game, right? Five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, <clears throat> And I said, baby, I'm, this is making me nervous. I don't even like even one of these teams. And it went down to the wire. And when, when it was over, I, I went to get ready. It was like 5.30 or something. And I went back upstairs to get ready. And I was shaking. I mean, I had such butterflies. College basketball. Look, if you don't, you should experience life better. Uh, I can imagine that's how the disciples felt. I'm not relating that to the disciples on Sunday. I guess I am. I'm just saying. There, there had to be some butterflies floating around in there, right? Can you imagine the like? And here's what's so awesome about Jesus: without any pomp and circumstance, it was awesome. See, it, I, I think a, a huge temptation of Christianity today, and maybe even the church, is to think that we have to put on for people, right? To think think that we have to to wear certain clothes or say certain things to be godly. And here's Jesus on a donkey. And, and I, I guarantee the procession caused, it caused way more excitement as he entered the city because he's attractive. Jesus is very attractive. He draws people to him. Everywhere in the Bible you see the name of Jesus. It says there were multitudes. And here's Pontius Pilate coming through with 80,000 soldiers. And everybody else is looking at Jesus on a donkey. So, so here's the idea, if God has done a miracle in your life, saved you, taken the heart of stone and turned it to a heart of flesh, let that not only bring praise from your soul when we praise the Lord every day of our life, but let that miracle be open to others to see so that they know what God's done in your life. Those people from Bethany saw Lazarus walk out of that tomb and they were so moved that they could not help but follow Jesus to the Passover. They didn't want to leave his side. And perhaps there's people in your life that would say, I've seen such a change in you, I'm going to follow you to Jesus. It's a Good thought. Number four. Palm Sunday exposes the zeal of Jesus. Now, here, let's, let's discuss this real quick before we read the Scripture. Zeal is different than pride. Did you hear that? If you're taking notes, write that down. Zeal is different than pride. Zeal is very excited about what the Bible says is right. Pride is very excited about what you want, what we want, or what we think is right when we don't read the Bible. So watch this. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches those selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Go back to the point, Larry. Palm Sunday exposes the zeal of Jesus. Now, here's Jesus, and we'll go back. We're going to talk about the last point about the compassion, what Palm Sunday shows us, the compassion of Jesus. But before the compassion, here is Jesus. He's coming in. He's made his entrance. He goes straight to the temple, right? He goes straight to the temple, and he finds people in the temple selling stuff. And it, it mentions dove, and, and that's very significant, and we don't have time to get into that. But that was because anyone who bringing, was bringing their child to, to uh, dedicate them to the Lord had to sacrifice a few doves. So that's convenient, right? We'll just set up in the temple and sell you doves. Uh, if you didn't have enough money, you could use pigeons, which that's what Simeon used for Jesus when he, because in another humble circumstance there that jesus is showing us so here here you have jesus walks in and I, I love this because this shows it it shows you what a man he was i mean what a man who walks in the temple and looks at the people and he knows they're going to crucify him he's he's running out the exact same people that are going to crucify him and and he looks at him and he starts turning over tables this is not the curly-headed Jesus that you see in pictures. He's throwing stuff around. He's running. And I just love this. I can imagine Peter's right beside him going, "You, Peter wasn't doing that. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine Peter standing there. You want to stab him? Seriously. Ed, can't you see that? Like, hey, like he's, he's on the ready. Like, he, you, you mean to stab him? Please, Lord, let me stab him. Let me stab somebody. Please. Jesus says, no, I got this. And he, he, runs, he runs everyone out. He runs everyone out. Think, and think about this for a second. Zeal is different than pride. So it's okay to have zeal about our beliefs, right? And we should have zeal about this. Body. We should have zeal about what we believe. We should not hide in the closet. We should but in a humble way, have zeal. And when it's not right, it's not right. And the way that we figure out it's not right is if, it's not, if it doesn't line up with this Bible. And see, pride's totally different. Pride gets off on some tangent and says, you know what, I know that I know that I know. Well, okay, buddy, you know, what's the, what's the word say about that? Well, I don't know, I, I don't read the Bible. I thought you said you were a Christian. Well, I am. I got saved when I was six years old. Saltine cracker, lemon cookie, and my Sunday school teacher led me. Have you ever read the Bible? No, that's your job, preacher. It's your job to read the Bible. Listen, that's why so many people get whacked out and hurt by churches because they won't read their Bible, and some wacko gets up and tells them what the Bible says, and they believe it. Now I am a wacko. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I'm telling you to read your Bible. It's okay. It's okay to have zeal for, what the, for the Word of God. It's okay to have zeal for our faith. But, but zeal is going to attract people. Pride is going to push people away. I mean, I, I, I'm totally okay with people knowing that I'm very excited to be a Christian. I'm totally okay with sitting down with somebody at a coffee shop and sharing my testimony with them. I'm totally okay with going hunting with somebody who couldn't pick out Jesus from Muhammad and, and saying, and, and be, just being me. And, and when the subject comes up, I'm not going to shy away from that. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of, I serve a God that loved me so much, he sent his only son to die for me. I'm not ashamed of my faith. And we shouldn't be. That's zeal. But I promise you, I'm not going to go picket somewhere next week Because someone else is doing something that I don't believe in and I'm going to tell them how bad they are and they're going to hell in a handbasket and God hates them. That's pride. See, zeal and pride are two different things. And Jesus said, you know what? It's already been said. My Father's house should be a house of prayer. Get out. You get out. You get out, you get out, you get out, you get out. I'm going to help you out. (laughs) I'm going to help you out by helping you get out. That's zeal. Excitement for what is right. Actively. Last thing, number five. Palm Sunday shows the compassion of Jesus. So here we, we, we go and we see in Luke 19.41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. So we're going back in the story a little bit. You, you, he's coming down the Mount of Olives and he sees Jerusalem. I want you to get this. If you're here today, you think God's mad at you and God doesn't care about you. and You're about to see such a wonderful heart of God. So Jesus is coming from Bethany. All these people are following, coming down the Mount of Olives, and he looks over Jerusalem. And some of you have probably been there, but you've seen pictures. The Mount of Olives look over You can see the city. So historians tell us there's like around 2.5 million people in the city for the Passover. And what's Jesus do? Is he looking in the mirror? Is he asking the disciples, do you have everything ready? Are the trumpeteers going to be there? Is the pomp and circumstance set up? No. He weeps. He weeps. He wept over the city. Why, why, did, he, why did he cry? He cried because in his heart he knew God had sent him. But they did not know him. wept and and to this day the Bible says he's at the right hand of the throne of God praying for us interceding for us and if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior he's still weeping over you All, all that he did and all we have to do is just receive that gift Jesus Palm Sunday shows us the compassion of Jesus he cried he wept over the city after he cleared the temple you'll see it in this next scripture after he cleared the temple and everything got back, put, put back in order. The first thing that he did, he didn't preach. He didn't start his agenda. Now, I challenge you this week, please listen to me as your pastor. Would you read what goes on between Palm Sunday and Good Friday? Would you read all, everything that Jesus taught in that temple? A, a lot of the parables and stories that we hear were taught in that temple. And he knows that he's on his deathbed, right? Right? Anytime you visit with somebody on their deathbed, you lean in and listen to what they're saying pretty pretty closely. I dare you to read that this week, what happened between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. After, After the temple's cleared, Jesus goes to work. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. We have a compassionate God you know what this speaks to me? You know, grace had come to the earth, but Jesus hadn't been crucified yet, so I relate this to being spiritually blind. And Jesus was about to fix that on the cross. I relate this to being spiritually lame. Spiritually blind, the Bible talks a lot about not being able to know that you need a savior is like having scales over your eyes. And when the Holy Spirit finally deals with your heart, those scales fall off. And you can see things for what they really are. And many of us in this room right now would would recognize that. We remember the time when we didn't think we needed God. We were enough. And then one day, all of a sudden, something happened and those scales fell off and we started looking around at the world going, I do need Him. I definitely need Him. Maybe maybe that's you today. Maybe, you know, the scales are still on your eyes. Can I tell you they can fall off today? Jesus paid the price. Maybe you're here today and you know Jesus, but you've been hurt really bad and you're spiritually lame. You're limping around. You're bitter. Things in your life hadn't worked out like you thought they would. Maybe even the church hurt you. I tell you, Jesus paid the price for that also. God's a God of restoration. God's a God that comes right back in and heals those wounds. Jesus begins to heal the blind and the lame in the temple. And spiritually today, he can do that for anyone in this room. Would you bow your heads all over his place? God, thank you for this Palm Sunday and thank you for your word. I got a question for you as you sit there right now. Are you still spiritually blind like so many people in the early service that said, you know what, I need Jesus in my life. I want to pray with you today. I want want you to to feel those scales fall off. What is is salvation about? It's about confessing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. It's about confessing in our own heart that we believe He's the Messiah, that He was born of a virgin, that He lived a sinless life, He took our death and sin on the cross. He was placed in the grave and He rose from that grave on the third day. It's a faith issue. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, but you want to do that, I want to pray with you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Nobody's looking around, all heads are bowed. If you need Jesus Christ in your life, would you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it? I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand, thank you. You can put it right back down. Anyone else, man, don't miss this moment. What a great, great day. Right where you're sitting, if you raised your hand, I want to pray with you. When we're done with this prayer, and we dismiss, please go out to the tent on the East Lawn, get a Bible, get a devotion. And if you want to talk, you can. If not, just walk right by there and grab the Bible and the devotion. But it will help you on your journey. It will help you start your journey. If you raised your hand, pray this prayer with me right now. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your only son to die for me, Jesus Christ. And I believe, I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He is the Messiah. He lived a sinless life. He took my death and sin on the cross. I believe with all my heart at this very moment that they placed him in a grave. He rose from that grave. And he ascended to heaven. He's coming back for me one day. And I'm confessing in my heart that he is my Savior. God, please forgive me of the sin which I know you already have by virtue of me confessing Jesus help me in this new walk and right now, the void that I've been trying to fill with the world, I pray that you would fill with your love and your grace and your mercy. Father, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, go by the tent. If you're visiting with us today, go by the tent. Bring somebody-